passion, purpose, and tension. Take the journey with Ann Richards, here on Pep Talk. Look, if you had one shot, one opportunity, to seize everything you ever wanted, one moment, that you capture Hi, this is Ann Richards. Thank you for tuning into Pep Talks. I created this talk so that my listeners could hear these awesome stories of my guests who's taken their life's passions and turned them into essentially their purpose. I'm a life coach, an exercise enthusiast, a yoga teacher, and now a podcaster, kind of following in the thread of doing what I love to do. So today's guest is completely an inspiration. Um, I have with us today Tiana Bartoletta. Nice to be here. Oh my gosh. She is a beautiful, beautiful woman and brought some really spectacular um, show and tell items today. So when you turn into YouTube and watch this on YouTube, you will see that I am currently holding in my hand a gold medal. Yes. Mm-hmm. It is um, heavy as heck. How much does this weigh? I have no idea what it weighs, but all three of them together are workout for the neck. It let is. Me tell you, this <laughs> is incredible. I've never seen or touched this in person, and it says London. Yeah. 2012. Can you share what happened there, Tiana? So in London, 2012, uh, Team USA won the four by 100 meter relay in a world record time. We broke the existing world record by over half a second, which is kind of unheard of. So that is a really special medal there, to me at least. And in that relay, you were number one, right? Yes, I'm the leadoff runner. Out of the gate. Yes, exactly. I come out of the blocks. I basically set the tone for the entire relay. You sure do. Yeah. And it's really fast. Really fast. Remarkable. Yes. Um, How was that feeling right before that moment of that? The, the gun, or what do you call that, the the shot? Yeah, what? it's the gun, the starter gun. And, you know, it's really interesting because when I'm out there by myself uh, in an individual event, it's like you take a deep breath, you take an exhale, and you commit to executing the strategy or the race plan. But before a relay, right before the gun goes off, you're not thinking about yourself at all. You're thinking about the other three members on the team and how you have to step up for them. Mm-hmm. And so that I always find that interesting that in track and field, which is an individual sport, that that's the last thought that I have before running a relay. Mm-hmm. And even though it is contingent on individual performance, we elevate because there are other people involved. That is so cool. So it really is more about them. Yeah. So you make it more about them. Absolutely. You, there's, uh, when you're younger, when you're in high school, because all of us have run track and field at some point and have been on a relay, it's about like you don't want to let your teammates down. You know, that's how, that's how a lot of um, younger athletes generate their motivation. Well, as a pro, it's the same kind of thing when you're on a relay, except we're not thinking about not letting them down. We're thinking about like how can we perform in such a way where it raises the performance level of everyone. And so, you're essentially like, I need to show out for my team and then give them permission to do the same. Sure. Yeah. So 
I met Tiana at Inner Bliss Yoga where I was teaching in Westlake on Saturdays. The class is called Superpower Flow. It is ridiculously hard and ridiculously it's so hot. so hard. <laughs> <laughs> and this beautiful girl comes in, and I know most of the people there, and I know she's new. However, she had all the strength and power to get completely through the class with no problems. And I think we discussed a song or something. So I didn't even know you were an Olympian or a superstar until, you know, a day or two later. And then I thought, wow, presence of greatness for sure. So we have connected and then I discovered the Cleveland connection. So you were born here. Yes, in Elyria, Ohio. Yeah. And went to school there. Elyria High School. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And when did you start running? So I started running when I was 12. Um, don't remember what year that is. Mental math is not one of my skills. That's but yeah, I started <laughs> when I was 12 just because it was offered as a team sport. So I was never one of the kids that was like an age group track from age five. Yeah, I ran track when it was offered at school, but I also played basketball and volleyball. Basically, whatever that season sport was, I was involved with. Sure. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you jumped? I do. And, and was that like a special feeling it was really fun uh, because we didn't have we don't have a lot of resources and so our long jump pit was just a little sand pit at the end of a parking space so like you'd run into the parking space and then jump into the sand pit but I remember that feeling that taking off feeling and then you know not forever later but there's a little split second where there's this feeling of flight and yeah. feeling of overcoming mm-hmm. something and that's addictive and when I realized I was out jumping the boys that it became really addictive <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah did you, did, you, did you think like I have this skill like I, I it, I've got something here I never I didn't think that for a long time in the beginning because I'm competitive I was just trying to out-compete the person next to me, boy or girl. It didn't occur to me that me out-competing the boy meant that I was special or that I had a specific talent for it. I I was focused on that one thing, and it didn't register. But the adults around me started to pay attention, and they were like, huh. And so they encouraged me to... Uh, move to doing it in the summer and get more reps and more training from maybe more uh, experienced coaches than what I had access to in the school system. So I asked Tiana about jumping because she's also an Olympian in long jump and in front of me are two more beautiful gold medals from Rio and this is 2016. So is this one a long jump? Uh, Let's see. It's engraved here on the bottom. Yeah, that one is a long jump. Yep. So, Tiana won 2016, the long jump. Um, And I've seen some video of you jumping, and holy smoke. (laughs) It's like you have wings that we cannot see. It's amazing. Thank you. Now, is that just like a relay where you practice and practice and practice, and eventually you just keep getting better? Or is is, is it a whole different way of developing the skill so it's it's two parts because uh, in the long jump there's the approach and then there's the actual jump Mm -hmm. and so to train the approach you need to be a sprinter so that looks that would look to anyone who was watching me train like I was a sprinter that never touched the sand pit it's just like how do we get faster and stronger that's track workouts that's gym workouts period 
But then the actual jump part, which happens from takeoff to landing, that's the skill part. And what's interesting about the long jump is as you get older, the skill part gets better because you have all those repetitions in your body. You've got the muscle memory, yeah. the 10,000 hours, as Gladwell would say. Yeah to do the skill and then the approach kind of diminishes because you're older now and maybe you don't have as much velocity or power. And so it's really a combination. It's really a matter of finding that sweet spot where you're running as fast as you can for your body and as and taking off as skillfully and as mindfully as possible so you can execute a good jump. So it's, it's kind of a, it's a little bit of both. You get better with time, mm-hmm. but there are elements of the jump that you have to get smarter about because those will decrease over time. Do you do you have a is that your favorite? Which do you prefer? Like I if always you were to say, say which did I love the most? I always say the one that I'm winning the most is my favorite. <laughs> Cuz you know, it ebbs and flows. I don't I I lose way more often than I win. Yes. It's just that when I win, it's these big events that most people remember, but in 2016, I lost every single competition leading up to the Olympic Games. Every single one and everyone after. Mm. I won just the Olympic Games in 2016. Well, if there's a time to win, exactly. you nailed yeah. it. However, mm-hmm. well, then did you go into that with a real, um, what kind of feeling did you have going into 2016 with all the loss? Yeah, I really had to grow up because I had to, I had to redefine what it means to win along the way in order to not get discouraged um, you know, about what could happen in the future. And so to season 2016 taught me that even in your losses, especially in your losses, you are picking up valuable information that you can carry to the next experience or opportunity. And so I was able to reframe those losses as, okay, this is what happened this meet. And then I would go to the next meet and correct that. And then something different would happen that I would note and take to the next meet. And so by the time I got to the Olympics, I had a whole library of things that I had done wrong that I knew how to fix. And so when I got to that moment, I knew that I was prepared because I had lost so much in so many different ways. It just prepared me better. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. Thank you. If you, it's interesting because I always say in yoga, like we learn what we want by getting what we don't want. You get closer to your truth by swimming through all the stuff that happens. And essentially it's okay if you can look at it that way because you do become closer to the what you want. So every loss was like, well, I won't do that again. And another loss and I won't do that again. And then you got there and you nailed it. But that's also, I would say, a state of grace that you have to achieve, wouldn't you say? I think so. You do have to learn how to, for me, it was self-compassion in a a lot of ways because athletes, humans in general, are hard on on ourselves. We are so quick to tell another person, like, oh, it's okay, better luck next time. Absolutely. And then turn right around and beat ourselves to death for a perceived loss or failure and that I learned that I needed to be my you know my biggest cheerleader in these moments and just be like look girl we learned something it didn't go the way 
you know, you didn't win, but this is what we learned and this is what we're going to do for the next time. And it got a lot better for me mentally because this is really difficult to do. And you hear a lot about Olympians and suicides. And it's just because it's, it's such an all encompassing lifestyle to train for something like this. And then to come home with medals, it means you, you took that lifestyle to like next level. Yeah. And so it, it really, between learning self-compassion um, and just taking practical things away from the losses, yeah, it really helped my mental health. But I will tell you that my career changed when I started practicing yoga. That was, it did. That was one of the differences. Yeah, I know yeah. you're a yoga devotee for <laughs> sure. And you do some amazing videos on your Instagram, which is Tiana Bartoletta. Tiana dot Bartoletta. Dot Bartoletta. Mm-hmm. Is that her Instagram? You should follow her because she has beautiful videos. Um, where did you discover it? So I started out just uh, needing a counter workout to the intense track workouts that I was doing. And so I started with yin yoga was my gateway drug. And just like, let me lay here with all the props in the studio mm-hmm. and just kind of unwind my central nervous system yeah because that's what I'm training I'm yeah. training for it to be wired and fired up and sometimes it gets difficult to turn it off oh it's literally fight and flight yeah you are flight. exactly <laughs> and so yin yoga was like how I was able to to reset mm-hmm. without using you know any supplements or any you know anything that I didn't really want to do it was a great recovery tool but you know and you were really good at this when I was in your class uh, there's dharma drips and philosophy all throughout these dharma drips. <laughs> yeah, it's just like drips. I like of just that goodness and philosophy, and I started to just absorb it. You know, because I was in there as the athlete. I'm coming from the track. I'm keyed up. Just wanted to stretch, but slowly but surely, it was like my spirit was reawakened, and it was like, oh wait a minute, I recognize something here that I need. And so it became more of a spiritual practice and a recovery tool. And so that's that's what happened. And it just started to change. It just started to change my mind. Like the Bhagavad Gita was like the it's the thing that I think athletes need to understand. It's like you are not entitled to the fruits of your labor, but just get out there and give your maximum effort. And that just freed me so much. That's amazing. You discovered it. Mm -hmm. I always say, you know, people get it when they're ready for it. They find it. Mm -hmm. Because if I tell someone go to yoga and they're like, eh, I say, well, that's okay. Yeah. You know, it finds you when you're really ready. Yeah. And so then you were open to it. And then I agree. It's like you go in for the physical. Yeah. But then all the other spiritual transformations start to just soak in. Yeah. And then it it does. It's like uh, then it sprinkles the dust. And you walk out and you're like, oh, I'm so much better. Yeah, that was exactly <laughs> my experience. But you definitely, you know, left yin practice because now you do it all. Yeah, yeah. I still love yin. Mm-hmm. I, and then from yin, I, I added yoga nidra because I couldn't sleep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. was excellent. And then from there, um, I used vinyasa as active recovery sure. so like now i'm up to like three different yoga practices a week yeah. just incorporated into my training program and it just really became part of my lifestyle that's marvelous do you practice now you you're a lot of time in california 
I'm moving. I'm currently moving, so I haven't yet spent the time in California. So do you do a lot of practice on your own? Yeah, a lot of home practice. Mm-hmm. But studios for me are still like the sanctuary. It's sure. like it's like where you go when you need to remember that you're plugged in because you're never not plugged in. It's a matter of feeling forgetting. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just go for a reminder. But yeah, I do a lot of home practice. But I got trained, so I'm, I am a certified yoga teacher, so it's when I practice, like, sequencing yes. and cool stuff, so yes. it, it works out, yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> now, if you, were t- if you were talking to a young girl today who was in that path, maybe she's even in Illyria or in Cleveland, and she's running, and what would you tell her? I mean, you know the odds of what you've done mm-hmm. are just, yeah. it's, like, it's like you're the chosen which, I mean, it's a miracle what yeah. you've done. Is there anything that, would you ever want to coach? I pretty much do what I call consulting. Yeah. Because I I feel my purpose is a little bit larger than being a coach to one team. Mm-hmm. So I am, I've built a website and a whole thing so that I could get in front of other athletes and coaches and do traveling workshops and all that so I call myself a consultant yeah which is technically coaching but it's not tied to just one group of people what is the website it's called tbtrackstar.com oh I like that (laughs) what an awesome idea so then people go on look at you your world records your gold medals and say can you help us yeah so basically uh, I, I wrote an ebook called Why You're Not a Track Star. Okay. And listed five reasons why you're probably struggling based on the five the, the five things I was guilty of. Yeah. And so I figured, you know, like, this is not a rare thing. Maybe other people are guilty of it, too. So the five reasons are, like, your attitude sucks. Yeah. Um, you don't know what you're doing. Like, just the fundamentals of the sport. You, yes. You need more information. Um, your friends suck. So people don't always underestimate their peer group and yes. their support system. Um, you don't know why you're doing it in the first place. So not being plugged into a why is very critical. And then the last one, which is escaping me right now. So we got vision, attitude, 101, friends. I'm having a moment. There's another one. For sure, but I love the ones you <laughs> oh, have. Oh, you don't treat your body right. So mm. that's like nutrition and strength training and recovery. Yeah. So what you then do on the website is choose which of those categories you feel like you need to improve. Yeah. And then I offer a bunch of solutions for each one. Like start here, do this, look at these videos, check this out, try this trick, and then we go from there. That is amazing. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. It's so applicable for so many sports. It is, yeah. Not just what the sports you do. Yeah, it is. So would you start with a young girl and tell her, you know, believe in yourself or practice or is there is there one thing you'd say, shucks, this is what you should really be doing? So I would say believe in yourself, but that's so lost sometimes to athletes because they hear that all the time and it becomes cliche to them. And mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. How do I get faster? Yeah. And so what, what I've started to tell younger athletes is there's – so much within your control right now you don't have to wait to approach the sport as a professional because you're in middle school you know so like go to practice every day be deliberate about the things that you can control Mm -hmm. because you you don't decide who wins the race or the event Mm -hmm. you don't get to decide 
like what college coach just happens to be at that track meet where you're competing but you do get to decide how you're going to show up every day to training if you're going to give maximum effort and all of that will better the odds because this is hard this Mm -hmm. is difficult this doesn't just happen to everybody who's in track and field and at that age they all believe it will happen for them yeah and so instead of saying no it won't happen for you it's like Let's take a step back and control every little thing we can control every minute of every day while we're working on this goal Mm -hmm. because that's how you set yourself up the Mm -hmm. best. Who's your idol? Jesse Owens. (laughs) Yes. Jesse Owens. Very important to me. I find interest because he's a jumper too, right? Jumper and And, sprinter. Yeah. And and sprinter. Mm -hmm. So you share the same? Yes. So did you watch videos of him? Do you watch him and how he moves? No, I is mean, it more it was, about his philosophy of, of how he lived his life. It's more about his legacy in a way, mm-hmm. um, not so much his technique because honestly, so much in the sport has changed. I don't think yeah. we would even run the way that he ran then. I mean, he did. He was excellent for like the track and what they had then. Like yeah. we now have tracks where his, that technique would slow me down running on a track uh, like this today. So it's more like his legacy and the fact that. You could go to Nazi Germany and execute all of your events and not let all of that outside pressure get to you and deter you from achieving your goals. And I draw from that, like, all these little things that I let kind of, like, enter my psyche as obstacles. I'm like, that guy that guy had Hitler staring down at him like, yeah, like <laughs> you know, real, real big yeah, stuff. Real big stuff yeah. and still got out there. And he's from Ohio and we're in all the same events. You know, ah. like it's just so much. I just and I get to go and compete in the same stadium in Berlin almost every summer. Seriously. Yeah. And so I always ask the event director if they could put me in the same events. And so so that I could just like in honor of Jesse Owens and his story and what he was able to achieve. That's so cool. I love that. Yeah. Um, now, when you went to Rio and then London, and where are we next in Tokyo? Tokyo. Mm-hmm. So, if I do my math right, next summer. Wow. Yeah. Um, how did you find the insp- the experience in London versus Rio? So, London, I made the team in the 100 meter dash as well, and got fourth which no one remembers because fourth doesn't get a medal. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> it's kind of good, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, but, you know, that experience, I had the fastest fourth place time in oh, history wow. at the Olympic Games, which I guess wow. I could technically give myself a medal for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it taught me, though, um, the lesson that I carry forward is just like, there is such thing as personal victory. Even if it goes unacknowledged, I ran the fastest time of my life at that on that day, so I did not walk away a loser at all. I hate to lose still because I'm a competitor, yeah. but I channeled all of that to the relay, and so that experience was, you know, amazing. And world record is almost almost like a once in a career event. You know, you break the world record, but the difference between London and Rio. I also made the team in the 100 at Rio, but I, I didn't do well in the 100 due to, like, physical illness. So I was in the 100, the long jump, and the 4x1 in Rio. I had a very busy Olympic Games. And by that time, 
I was more like a mental robot. I mean, between um, doing a lot of mental conditioning work and yoga and um, really just releasing the attachment to the outcome and focusing on the to-do list or what I call my execution checklist for each event, there was very little emotion involved in my performance because I knew uh, I had to go do you know, ABC. Yeah. And then I would see what would happen. Yeah. And so for that to materialize into gold medals, you know, it was quite validating. It was, it was excellent. The experience was different because I won an individual gold, which is, there's a little bit of a hierarchy within the sport. Like individual gold is like, amazing. And then the relay goal is amazing for the country because we're all together. But it's a little less it's just slightly like half a centimeter below individual gold. So to bring home both of those from Rio really was a fulfilling experience. How long did you spend in time in London? I think it was there for, it could have been two to three weeks. You need some time to acclimate to the time zone. And when you make a relay, we actually don't practice all year round because we don't know who the people are going to be on the relay team. So then you finally get together. We get together then, and then we do most of our training on site at the Olympic Games. So whereas most teams have relay camps all year, our team is decided by our trials, first, second, third. Yeah. And that's how our relay pool is determined as well, and we don't know that until like a month before the Games. And so we have to all come together and, and really get a lot of work done in a short period of time. Were both relays different as far as the, the who was in them? Yeah. Um, first and second leg were the same. So myself and Allison Felix. And in London, Bianca and Carmelita Jetter uh, finished, rounded out the relay. And then in Rio, English Gardner and Tori Bowie rounded out the relay. And so do you, who do you think you will reunite with in Tokyo? I have no idea because... I have um, I have shifted more towards long jump as a priority because mm-hmm. I'm the defending Olympic champion in that, and yeah. I need to defend that title. Allison, who I passed the baton to, just had a baby and oh. moved up to the 400 meters, <laughs> and everything else is really open. So when you see the relay on TV, like we literally just figured that out, <laughs> like maybe a couple of days before who the lineup was going to be, and that's why sometimes we don't pull it off we don't make it work we don't get the baton around that's that's why it happens so how how much um interaction do you have with the the athletes from the other countries so it can be as much as you want so in the village the countries have like what looks like dorm apartment Mm -hmm. buildings but there is no real restriction between them you can visit the cafeteria is open to everyone um, but I've, I've never actually stayed in the village for the duration of the Olympic Games just because the village is 24 hours. It's like um, the McDonald's there, that's 24 hours. It, it really has the feel of being like it's celebratory, and yeah. to me it's celebratory before I've earned it. And so I, I rent um, homes outside of that and I train and I do what I need to do and then I return to the village to celebrate with my team if I need to. Okay. But yeah, like I ch- so you, you do what you can really to focused. stay focused. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you're not really doing a lot of um, mingling with no. the other people. 
yeah. for reasons that's understandable. Yeah, you know, they say that there are like two types of Olympians. There's the like the Olympian tourist who's like happy to have made the team and yeah. is just going to soak up the entire experience yes. and trade pins like they never Disney come World. back. Yeah, <laughs> selected by the country rather than like had to go through a trial cuz uh, that's optional. How your country chooses the team is optional. America chooses to make us fight it out for it, like the Hunger Games in other it countries. Is. Yeah, in oh, other countries so would just name their team. Like, we want you, you, and you to go, and that's that. And so you can kind of tell the difference in the way we approach the games in that the people who had to, like, really fight to get there are a little less likely to treat the Olympic Games that way, at least before they compete. Yeah. Yeah. I love your analogy, The Hunger Games. It feels that way to which me. Which, <laughs> that movie, like, scared me about all these children, but it probably does feel It little... feels that way, especially when you win. <laughs> <laughs> when you win, is it just, how does it feel to stand up on that podium with gold medal on your neck? I mean, is it just like, did you start crying? Do you, are you ecstatic? What What is the feeling? There's so much emotion involved. So, um, I would say the the... The least emotion I feel is happy. I feel relief, um, grateful, validated. I think relief might be the largest one because for so many people, they did similar amount of work yeah. and aren't where standing where I'm standing. So in a way, it's actually a humbling experience that it was you, you know, because like I won the Olympic games by two centimeters. I didn't go out there and, like, destroy the field. <laughs> you know what I mean? It could have gone any way, technically. Mm -hmm. And so standing up there, you're really proud of yourself and proud that you were able to keep your head in, in a high-pressure situation. But you also feel relief. You're grateful. You are so relieved that everybody who sacrificed or was involved gets to feel that strength of and the strength and um sense of accomplishment with you and when the anthem plays i sometimes get choked up then yeah did your parents come watch my parents were in london and then rio because of the media circus surrounding like zika virus oh, we yeah. didn't have many people come oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean that and you have how many siblings i have two so I mean, for them, it's got to be just, uh, like, I, I don't even know how you'd feel, I'd feel as a parent about witnessing that. Yeah, everybody's got their piggy banks open for Tokyo, getting ready, saving up. <laughs> they're all going to go. Yeah, they're going to try to go. If I make that team, because I have to remake the team okay. at our Olympic trials mm -hmm. in July, mm -hmm. um, once that happens, everybody has to be – you have to be ready to pull the trigger. And this is a, a, the other thing that's difficult about people who support us is uh, booking hotels in advance, buying tickets in advance. It almost can't happen. You just have to be ready yeah. for the moment when I cross that line in first, second, or third to push book on that Delta website or yes. whatever it is yes. and then get all of your hotels like right then because, you know, the world is waiting. It's the Olympic it's sure. the Olympic Games. Most teams are already finalized and named. And so it's it's very stressful for and the then, people who support us. And then do you feel like you can go into the village and like, woohoo, 
like see the other people and yeah so there's a window of time right so the village opens for almost like um the olympic games is quite long and track and field is like two weeks of that entire session Mm. of the olympics so the village is open for a really long time maybe almost like two months okay and so you can go if i go in early i get to walk around and kind of marvel like oh my gosh you can soak up the experience you know it feels kind of like walking into magic kingdom Mm. where you have like all the music kind of just playing and it feels that way and I don't actually know if there is music playing in the village but it feels like there is it feels like the Chariots of Fire soundtrack is Uh playing (laughs) (laughs) so there are periods of time where you can enjoy the experience but um then you start to like as you get closer to the competition you start to do what you need to what you know you need to do as an individual to be at your best self on that day. Some athletes can party or need to be social in order yeah. to keep their heads to compete. And sure. I'm, I'm not one of those people. I'm very introverted. Um, then do you do people come at you with sponsorship deals? Like, do they want <laughs> your... I wish they did. Um, track and field is more difficult because it's only visible every four years. Ah. And so it it's a really hard sell for major sponsors. Yeah. Um, because we're training all year round and we have world championships every two years. We have Diamond League circuit every year. And so we're always running and You're competing, but no one sees it. Yeah. And so it's really hard to sell for people to support us. Do you listen to music before you um, race? I do. Do you keep it in? So you can't obviously run with it, but do you keep it as close as you can to the, when you have to stop listening? Yeah. So we have what's called um, call rooms and it's almost like staging centers before your event. And so up until like the last second when they make that call and they'll say like final call, women's long jump, please enter the call room now. At that point, you have to be free of all electronics. And like I have been enthralled in a song, like a hype song, to the point where I've had one foot in the call room door and the other foot outside, like straddling the threshold in order to finish my Eminem track. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> so what is the song? What is that song? I have several songs, but like I definitely go with rap and typically it's an angry rapper just because anger for me is a really good fuel mm-hmm. and I can channel it in a very productive way right then and there yeah and so i really have learned to tap into that but those rappers eminem meek mill those people take me right to the angry levels like almost instantly and that's kind of where i stay and for your listeners who will probably go on youtube and like look at this now when they see my face they're gonna be like yeah she's angry (laughs) (laughs) she's angry yeah When they go watch you run. Watch me run or when I'm on the... Get out of her way. Yeah, or when I'm on the runway right before I initiate a jump. There's this just steel face that I have, and Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of like... I feel like I'm like conjuring all the energy and mm-hmm. all the anger and kind of wrapping it in a ball and just and using releasing it. it. It's yeah, a, It's your fire. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you have a favorite concert that you've ever been to? I haven't been to many concerts, but I think there's a tie. So I went to Kendrick Lamar's concert, but in Amsterdam. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I I travel alone a lot, which people will see um, on from my Instagram profile. I travel alone a lot, and I'm like, 
I'm not going to not experience things because I don't have someone to experience them with. Of course. And so that concert was one of those things that I had to kind of push through some apprehension because, yeah. like, who goes to a concert by themselves? Yeah, I have. I have. Yeah, I have. <laughs> I have. I think if you really want to go, you're. it's a place you are surrounded by people. So yeah. it doesn't even matter. Right. Once the music starts. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I was, like, a little apprehensive, but um, I went, and the person next to me had had come alone okay and but once the music started we're all rapping and singing together it didn't really matter yeah um so that was a really good experience one because i was in a different country and i could just see the unity and it, at a time when i needed to be reminded that there was good in the world mm-hmm. because things were escalating here at home like politically and it was just like starting to feel kind of yucky yeah and so that was a really good reminder that that's not really the the norm yeah and so that was beautiful. But I also saw the fray in concert. Sure. And I loved them. Yeah, and just the emotion great? of the lead singer just like touches my heart yeah. every time. Yeah. They're yeah. a beautiful band. Mm-hmm. I love playing um, all different styles of music, as, as you've heard. Yeah. And I love discussing it with people because, uh, number one, I love our listeners to hear you know shared because sometimes they go look stuff up that they yeah, don't know right you know or or all the different forces that really um drive someone because there's so much to get out of music right you know and and i play the angry rappers because i do think there's a purpose there mm-hmm. you know and they've taken their message you know and used it right for the goodness of all of us so that's cool um and i have to ask you about your diet because, oh, I, oh. because well, you, she <laughs> Tiana looks amazing, but and you would expect that because you have to, you know, you're a machine. Yeah, so you got to keep it running. But uh, if I said to you, what did you have for breakfast? What was you? I would say I had bulletproof coffee. Uh huh. So Good you answer. Know, yeah, you know, bulletproof. Of coffee. course, I think it's delicious. So yeah. you, you add butter. Yep. <laughs> and you add a cream. No. What else do you add? Oh, it's it's. It's butter and what is that? MCT uh, oil. Yes, mm-hmm. the coconut oil, like yeah. highly refined coconut yeah. oil. Yeah, it's good. A lot of fat. It is, and you're not hungry and you're mentally sharp. Mentally sharp. Yeah. And then do you? Um, so do you follow mostly a keto formula, or do you follow a certain plan? No, it it doesn't really have a name because I found that when I have tried, because I've done South Beach diet, I've done Paleo diet, all these things, that. It's really best to just pay attention to your body and listen to what it's telling you Mm -hmm. and not try to fit it within the template of a specific diet. Right. And so my diet's kind of a combination of all those things. Sure. Um, I even use intermittent fasting. Yeah. But typically, I eat six times a day. I try to eat every three hours. And when you're first starting out, you're not going to be hungry. But do it anyway because it's retraining your metabolism. Yeah. Uh, to just burn because it knows it's going to get more fuel later. This is when you're training. This is this. I try to maintain this all the time so that my weight doesn't fluctuate so much yeah. that I have to dedicate training to weight loss. Yeah. When I need to be working on specific things. Exactly. And so um, I recently have returned to my plant based diet because mm-hmm. I feel better. Um, I have more energy. My skin's clear. I've, I just my mood is better. And that's that was a life choice, not not a performance choice. However, um, you can still get a, the same amount of protein in a plant-based diet, even though it doesn't seem like you can. And a yeah. lot of people, that's the question they ask: like, where do you get your protein uh, if you don't eat 
meat and the answer is from all of it because yeah. <laughs> almost all of it has protein you just have to eat a little bit more of it but yeah so the thing that i can almost eat anything i as much as i want but i do a low to no sugar diet mm -hmm. and when i'm closer to the competition um phases I cut carbs because I am running for 10, 11 seconds max. Yeah. So I don't actually need to tap into the system where carbs would actually fuel me in the first place. Right. So that's why Bulletproof Coffee is so good because mm -hmm. it's just burning fat yeah. as fuel. And yeah, so that's, I love pasta though. Me too. And cheese. Me too. <laughs> so yeah, I it's I have to difficult. really stay away from the pasta. Yeah, it's really Because difficult. I don't really, I mean, as much as we love it, it's not really doing that much for you. It's what I call empty, <laughs> empty calories. It's just, yeah, yeah. You're it's delicious though. It doesn't do anything for do you. Do you cook? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, how did you um, eat when you were growing up? Mm, that's a good question because my mom can't cook and my dad didn't cook. So I think we had a lot of those like Salisbury steak dinners from the freezer. Oh yeah, they yeah. Then you peel back the they plastic. They were really good. Yep, With and mashed, mashed potatoes, potatoes and gravy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, my mom could actually cook, but she had seven children oh, and wow. the schedule sometimes, you know. Mm -hmm. And my brothers would play sports, so those I remember very yeah. well. Salisbury I remember. Steak. I can hear the plastic <laughs> peeling now. <laughs> I mean, now we can get so much good food fast. Yeah. But it, it can be really good. Yes. You know, yes. so it's it's totally different times. Yes. Um, so what do you think you have shared your website? Again, tell, tell us again the name of that. TBTrackStar.com. TBTrackStar. So is mm -hmm. that your favorite thing, thinking, seeing into the future, consulting? Yeah, I think so. Um, just sharing, using my voice. To, to kind of do what you do, mm -hmm. inspire. Because, you know, when I was in your class, I was like, this, this is what I would love to do. Because, yes, I am all about the, the graceful flow is beautiful. But the reality is I'm an athlete and I want to, like, drive people, encourage people, motivate them to push themselves. And yeah. you pushed me to no end in that class. Yeah. And, but I loved it. And I was so grateful for you when I left. Oh, thank so you. So that is just anything in that category mm -hmm. and i was thinking this when you listed all the things you do so it's like yeah sure the website's one part of it but anything that involves just being my authentic self mm -hmm. and sharing whatever part of me somebody needs to hear in order to free them up or give them permission to live authentically and like try to level up that's what i want to do that's what i care about doing so tokyo mm-hmm and then do you foresee that that would be the end? I, so I have a bunch of different plans. Yeah. Because you got to kind of be prepared. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, if I don't make the team and people are like, oh, don't say that, but it's, you got to be realistic. I don't know what's going to happen. All I can do is prepare. Yeah. And I think if I don't make that team, it will be a good time to retire and then throw myself fully into my other projects. If I make that team, I will probably continue on for one more season because in 2021 the u.s is hosting its first ever world championships in wow. portland oregon again um so i think then that would be a good time to say goodbye to the sport from yeah. a world championship stage at oh home gosh, yeah yeah so that's that's what i'm thinking oh, either sounds... way i've only got like two seasons left <laughs> you know i just thought of this question when you're here like say in ohio 
Do you just go outside and take a run? No. Or do you go to a track? Yeah, no, I have to go to a track. I don't a real do, track. I don't do runs okay. unless I'm unless I need to lose weight. I then need, would or, you run on a treadmill? I typically would run on a treadmill. Okay. Yeah, just like in my parents' house or wherever the treadmill is. Uh, it's because I have I'm training fast twitch muscles. I yeah. don't need to run. My long, long jump distance. approach is 40 meters long, yeah. and then we've got the hundred. So I don't need to train myself for that at all. So the track workouts is where I develop my aerobic strength and my cardio capacity, but it's very specific to what my events are. Um, have you have you ever had injuries? Yes, yes. I'm coming off of a ankle sprain that I thought was just a sprain that was more than that that sidelined me for a year. I've had a torn meniscus and patella, but honestly, I've gotten. I've been a professional at this for 15 years, and I've I've gotten away with very few, you know, season-ending injuries. So I'm really grateful for that. But just you know, I don't, we don't count hamstring strains or pulls as like injuries because it's almost like occupational hazard. It happens. Do you think that it's? Do you have any preventative formula you think that's been working for you that? that I mean, I know the yoga. Yeah. For me, that's totally preventative mm-hmm. and, it is. and helps with everything. But that is, you haven't you haven't been plagued with anything. Nothing major. And I think it's because I eat well. Yeah. Like you. Um, athletes tend to talk about supplements, and then they have, like, this whole countertop of just all these yeah. powders and yes. stuff that they mix up. But just eat well. Do you do that? Do I do the supplements? Yeah. No, I just try to eat well. And because because I, I tell young athletes, like, your body doesn't recognize these powders. It's like just a powder to your body, but your body does recognize whole foods. Yeah. It was designed to know exactly what to do, how to digest, how to disperse the energy when you're actually eating real food. But if you're drinking a protein shake, it's not going to go into the system the same way. You're not absorbing it the way you think you're absorbing it. Sure. So just eat well. So I think eating well and hydrating has hydration, I think, is one of the biggest keys for muscles because they need to basically remain lubricated and yeah. how you do that is with water <laughs> yeah and a lot of people don't think about that but just eating well in water and then sleeping well sleeping is also a major key so that's where all your recovery happens at night all the rebuilding of the muscles so have you seen some real junk food junky athletes yeah they exist <laughs> they do exist they make me angry but they exist french fries and milkshakes and <laughs> the athlete that can eat like a five guys burger right before practice. Whoa. Yeah. They're they're out there. They're Whoa. they're not the norm though and they're typically not the ones that are experiencing longevity in the sport. But yeah, they're out there. Have you met anyone that any celebrity or famous person that really was like like a great moment for you? Hmm. I don't nothing comes to mind like right this minute. Nobody that that was just like, wow. No. Yeah, no. I maybe need to get out more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, you're working. You're working all the time. Yeah. But you probably do need to get out more. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I could say that for most people. I almost forgot this fun, fun fact, and it just popped into my mind. Thank God. Tell us about the bobsled. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. So remember when I said that doing this this is hard? Very. After 2012, like, and by after, I mean, like, hours after I won the medal, I was like, I don't want to do this again. I, I strongly felt like I would not be able to survive doing another um, Olympic run. It was so difficult. It took so much out of me. I just, and I, I just didn't want to have anything to do with it. And so um, it was suggested to me to not leave sport entirely, but to do, to pos- to switch gears in mm-hmm. order, in order to like give myself a mental break. Like it doesn't have to be track, but maybe it could be something else. Yeah. And so um, the suggestion was the bobsled team because being a break woman is a lot what is, skills, the, what is a break woman so a break woman first in the relay so it's no it's like you're, so there's two women in the bobsled the okay. one in the front is the driver yeah. and the one in the back is the break woman mm-hmm. and her job is to one not only pull the brakes at the end of the at the end of the track before you crash, crash. into the wall yeah. but your job is to get the bobsled up to speed on the ice before it goes downhill so pushing it yeah, you're a pusher essentially, <gasps> and the the skills and motions required to leave starting blocks are quite similar to the skills required to push the bobsled. And so I um, went to the bobsled team and learned, you know, very specific skills to like push it. But you're going, you're taking a 700 pound sled from not moving to moving, and then jumping in the back as it starts to go downhill on ice. And it was it was definitely the break I needed because I was scared to death every time, every single time. And the crazy thing is, I wasn't long jumping at the time. At this time, I had given it up because it wasn't coming easily to me anymore, and I thought maybe it was time to let it go. But jumping into the bobsled over and over and over reestablished a pattern that I thought I had lost, and I was able to return to the long jump. So I did return to the long jump in 2014. And then two years later, I won Olympic gold in the event that I loved. (laughs) That is so cool. So I'm forever grateful for bobsled, but it is a crazy ride. (laughs) So where did you, where did you go to do that? So the Team USA was based in Lake Placid. Yeah. Yes, and then they often go to Park City Mm -hmm. for races and training runs. But, yeah, mostly in Lake Placid is where we were, in New York. So, I mean, do you have ultimate respect for that? Yeah, because you know what? It's self-funded for the most part. The girls that are out there are um, paying their own way. And we... We essentially are the mechanics. We're the pit crew, and we would repair the bobsleds, and we would pick the bobsled up and put it on the truck and drive it to the next race. Like, it is completely, it's a working woman's sport. Like, it is not easy, and it's not glamorous. So if anyone's looking for a real challenge, yeah, get into bobsledding. Yeah, or if you even just want to try it, uh, go on, I think, go on their website. They even let you do uh, do a bobsled ride from half halfway down the track so you can experience what's what that's like for us it's 70 miles per hour plus on ice <gasps> see i don't even like roller coasters oh so that's, that's exactly what it feels like it feels out. like a very cold wooden roller coaster <sighs> ride and so that puts you even more out of your comfort zone absolutely 
So isn't that interesting? So that pushed you out of your comfort zone to get back to a place where you were comfortable. You had to get like way knocked out again. That's amazing because I never even thought of it that way. That's usually how it goes. Yeah. Like we have to get way the heck out there to have that perspective again. And then you can look back and say, now I can do it this way. Yeah. So it's like the the zoom out. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) You're so good. (laughs) You've got all this figured out. No, I don't. I absolutely do not, but I'm working. It sounds like it. (laughs) I'm working. This has been so fun. I don't even know. It's so fun. Sitting with an Olympian athlete from Ohio with gold medals and is so beautiful. You could be like Miss America. (laughs) Thank you. I wanted to tell you, though, before I forget that you're the reason I downloaded Bruce Springsteen's Broadway album after that class. After class. (laughs) And what did you think? It was great. Like you said, it was great. Every night he did that performance. It was. I don't know how he had such an outpouring. He's amazing, and yeah. you know, one day I'd love to have him on and sit here and share even some more because, again, he just started doing what he loved doing, and he yeah. never stopped. Right? But no one remembers you weren't a star when you started. Right? You weren't a star when you first, he picked up the guitar. You, you know, handed off your first baton. You weren't a star. Right? But you just kept going because it's in your heart. Mm-hmm. You can't. You can't stop it. Right? 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 That's 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 what I want people to understand is that if they're listening and they have this thing and they feel like it's too much, it's too hard, the road is too long. It's like it is all of that, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you're then you're fulfilled. Yeah, and it's also, there's also no destination when you're living your purpose. There is no, I've got to get to this point when you're living your purpose. It's like every day you're doing something purposeful and taking that's enough. And then the next day you wake up and you do it again. And the next day there is no There's finish no, line right. for that. I agree. Yeah. That's so true. That's that's like why I started this because people are like, why are you doing that? I'm like, I just have to. Yeah. And it's the next thing. And then what the next thing will be, I don't know. But it's like encouraging people to do more of the same. And I think that's what this world needs to hear. Yes. So I thank you. Thank you, Tiana, for coming. Again, you can follow Tiana on her Instagram, Tiana.Bartoletta, and she's certified. There's a fancy check next to her name. <laughs> One day that'll be me. And if you need me, go to AnnRichardsInspires.com. Check out my Facebook page, my Instagram. I'll take a lovely picture here with Tiana. So you can also get to YouTube, my YouTube channel, Ann Richards Inspires, to see these medals and to see this beautiful girl. Um, and thank you. Thank you. Oh my God, you're amazing.